Book One, Canto Eight of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Eight. Fair virgin, to redeem her dear, brings Arthur to the fight, who slays the giant, wounds the beast, and strips Duessa quite. Ay me, how many perils do enfold the righteous man to make him daily fall, were not that heavenly grace doth him uphold, and steadfast truth acquite him out of all. Her love is firm, her care continual, so oft as he through his own foolish pride or weakness is to sinful bands made thrall. Else should this red cross knight in bands have died, for whose deliverance she this prince doth thither guide. They sadly travelled thus, until they came nigh to a castle builded strong and high. Then cried the dwarf, Lo, yonder is the same in which my lord, my liege, doth luckless lie, thrall to that giant's hateful tyranny. Therefore, dear sir, your mighty powers assay. The noble knight alighted by and by from lofty steed, and bade the lady stay to see what end of fight should him befall that day. So with the squire, the admirer of his might, he marched forth towards that castle wall, whose gates he found fast shut, ne living white toward the same, nor answer comer's call. Then took that squire an horn of bugles small, which hung adown his side in twisted gold and tassels gay. Wide wonders over all of that same horn's great virtues were untold, which had approved been in uses manifold. Was never white that heard that shrilling sound, but trembling fear did feel in every vein. Three miles it might be easy heard around, and echoes three answered itself again. No false enchantment nor deceitful train might once abide the terror of that blast, but presently was void and wholly vain. No gate so strong, no lock so firm and fast, but with that piercing noise flew open quite or brast. The same before the giant's gate he blew, that all the castle quaked from the ground, and every door of free will open flew. The giant's self, dismayed with that sound where he with his duessa dalliance found, in haste came rushing forth from inner bower with staring countenance stern as one astound and staggering steps to weet what sudden stour had wrought that horror strange and dared his dreaded power. And after him the proud Duessa came, high mounted on her many-headed beast, and every head with fiery tongue did flame, and every head was crowned on his crest, and bloody-mouthed with late cruel feast. That when the knight beheld his mighty shield upon his manly arm he soon addressed, and at him fiercely flew with courage filled, and eager greediness through every member thrilled. Therewith the giant buckled him to fight, inflamed with scornful wrath and high disdain, and lifting up his dreadful club on height, all armed with ragged snubs and naughty grain, him thought at first encounter to have slain. But wise and wary was that noble peer, and lightly leaping from so monstrous mane, did fair avoid the violence him near. It booted not to think such thunderbolts to bear, Ne shame he thought to shun so hideous might. The idle stroke and forcing furious way, missing the mark of his misaimed sight, did fall to ground, 
and with his heavy sway so deeply dinted in the driven clay that three yards deep a furrow up did throw the sad earth wounded with so sore a say did groan full grievous underneath the blow and trembling with strange fear did like an earthquake show as when almighty jove in wrathful mood to wreak the guilt of mortal sins is bent hurls forth his thundering dart with deadly food enrolled in flames and smouldering dreariment through riven clouds and molten firmament the fierce three-forked engine making way both lofty towers and highest trees hath rent and all that might his angry passage stay and shooting in the earth casts up a mount of clay his boisterous club so buried in the ground he could not rear up again so light but that the knight him at a vantage found and whilst he strove his cumbered club to quite out of the earth with blade all burning bright he smote off his left arm which like a block did fall to ground deprived of native might large streams of blood out of the trunked stock forth gushed like fresh water stream from riven rock dismayed with so desperate deadly wound and eke impatient of unwanted pain he loudly brayed with beastly yelling sound that all the fields rebellowed again as great a noise as when in cimbrian plain and herd of bulls whom kindly rage doth sting do for the milky mother's want complain and fill the fields with troublous bellowing the neighbor woods around with hollow murmur ring that when his dear duessa heard and saw the evil stound that dangered her estate unto his aid she hastily did draw her dreadful beast who swoln with blood of late came ramping forth with proud presumptuous gait and threatened all his heads like flaming brands but him the squire made quickly to retreat encountering fierce with single sword in hand and twixt him and his lord did like a bulwark stand the proud duessa full of wrathful spite and fierce disdain to be affronted so enforced her purple beast with all her might that stop out of the way to overthrow scorning the let of so unequal foe but now the more would that courageous swain to her yield passage gainst his lord to go but with outrageous strokes did him restrain and with his body barred the way atwixt them twain then took the angry witch her golden cup which still she bore replete with magic arts death and despair did many thereof sup and secret poison through their inner parts the eternal bale of heavy wounded hearts which after charms and some enchantments said she lightly sprinkled on his weaker parts therewith his sturdy courage soon was quayed and all his senses were with sudden dread dismayed so down he fell before the cruel beast who on his neck his bloody claws did seize that life nigh crushed out of his panting breast no power he had to stir nor will to rise that when the careful knight gan well advise he lightly left the foe with whom he fought and to the beast gan turn his enterprise for wondrous anguish in his heart it wrought to see his loved squire into such thraldom brought and high advancing his bloodthirsty blade stroke one of those deformed heads so sore that of his puissance proud example made his monstrous scalp down to his teeth it tore and that misformed shape misshaped more a sea of blood gushed from the gaping wound 
that her gay garments stained with filthy gore and overflowed all the field around that over shoes in blood he waded on the ground thereat he roared for exceeding pain that to have heard great horror would have bred and scourging the empty air with his long train through great impatience of his grieved head his gorgeous rider from her lofty stead would have cast down and trod in dirty mire had not the giant soon her succored who all enraged with smart and frantic ire came hurtling in full fierce and forced the knight retire the force which want in two to be dispersed in one alone left hand he now unites which is through rage more strong than both were erst with which his hideous club aloft he dights and at his foe with furious rigor smites that strongest oak might seem to overthrow the stroke upon his shield so heavy lights that to the ground it doubleth him full low what mortal wight could ever bear so monstrous blow and in his fall his shield that covered was did lose his veil by chance and open flew the light whereof that heaven's light did pass such blazing brightness through the air through that i moot not the same endure to view which when the giant spied with staring eye he down let fall his arm and soft withdrew his weapon huge that heaved was on high for to have slain the man that on the ground did lie and eke the fruitful-headed beast amazed at flashing beams of that sunshiny shield became stark blind and all his senses dazed that down he tumbled on the dirty field and seemed himself as conquered to yield whom when his maestress proud perceived to fall whilst yet his feeble feet for faintness reeled unto the giant loudly she gan call o help orgoglio help or else we perish all at her so piteous cry was much amoved her champion stout and for to aid his friend again his wonted angry weapon proved but all in vain for he has read his end in that bright shield and all their forces spend themselves in vain for since that glancing sight he hath no power to hurt nor to defend as where the almighty's lightning brawn does light it dims the daisydine and daunts the senses quite whom when the prince to battle new addressed and threatening high his dreadful stroke did see his sparkling blade about his head he blessed and smote off quite his right leg by the knee that down he tumbled as an aged tree high growing on the top of rocky cliff whose heart-strings with keen steel nigh cuin be the mighty trunk half rent with ragged rift doth roll adown the rocks and fall with fearful drift or as a castle reared high and round by subtle engines and malicious slight is undermined from the lowest ground and her foundation forced and feebled quite at last down falls and with her heaped height her hasty ruin does more heavy make and yields itself unto the victor's might such was this giant's fall that seemed to shake the steadfast globe of earth as it for fear did quake the knight then lightly leaping to the prey with mortal steel him smote again so sore that headless his unwieldy body lay all wallowed in his own foul bloody gore which flowed from his wounds in wondrous store but soon as breath out of his breast did pass 
that huge great body which the giant bore was vanished quite and of that monstrous mass was nothing left but like an empty bladder was whose grievous fall when false duessa spied her golden cup she cast unto the ground and crowned mitre rudely threw aside such piercing grief her stubborn heart did wound that she could not endure that doleful stound but leaving all behind her fled away the lightfoot squire her quickly turned around and by hard means enforcing her to stay so brought unto his lord as his deserved prey the royal virgin which beheld from far in pensive plight and sad perplexity the whole achievement of this doubtful war came running fast to greet his victory with sober gladness and mild modesty and with sweet joyous cheer him thus bespake fair branch of noblesse flower of chivalry that with your worth the world amazed make how shall i quite the pains ye suffer for my sake and you fresh bud of virtue springing fast whom these sad eyes saw nigh unto death's door what hath poor virgin for such peril past wherewith you to reward except therefore my simple self and service evermore and he that high does sit and all things see with equal eyes their merits to restore behold what ye this day have done for me and what i cannot quite requite with usury but sith the heavens and your fair handling have made you maester of the field this day your fortune maester eke with governing and well begun end all so well i pray now let that wicked woman scape away for she it is that did my lord bethrall my dearest lord and deep in dungeon lay where he his better days hath wasted all oh hear how piteous he to you for aid does call forthwith he gave in charge unto his squire that scarlet whore to keep and carefully whiles he himself with greedy great desire into the castle entered forcibly where living creature none he did espy then gan he loudly through the house to call but no man cared to answer to his cry there reigned a solemn silence over all nor voice was heard nor white was seen in bower or hall at last with creeping crooked pace forth came an old old man with beard as white as snow that on a staff his feeble steps did frame and guide his weary gait both to and fro for his eyesight him failed long ago and on his arm a bunch of keys he bore the which unused rust did overgrow those were the keys of every inner door but he could not them use but kept them still in store but very uncouth sight was to behold how he did fashion his untoward pace for as he forward moved his footing old so backward still was turned his wrinkled face unlike to men who ever as they trace both feet and face one way are wont to lead this was the ancient keeper of that place and foster father of the giant dead his name ignaro did his nature right or read his reverend hairs and holy gravity the knight much honoured as beseemed well and gently asked where all the people be which in that stately building want to dwell who answered him full soft he could not tell 
Again he asked, where that same knight was laid, whom great Orgoglio with his puissance fell, had made his caitive thrall. Again he said, he could not tell, nay ever other answer made. Then asked he, which way he in might pass? He could not tell, again he answered. Thereat the courteous knight displeased was, and said, Old sire, it seems thou hast not read how ill it sits with that same silver head in vain to mock, or mocked in vain to be. But if thou be, as thou art portrayed with nature's pen, in age's grave degree, a reed in graver wise what I demand of thee. His answer likewise was he could not tell whose senseless speech and doted ignorance, when, as the noble prince had marked well, he guessed his nature by his countenance, and calmed his wrath with goodly temperance. Then to him stepping, from his arm did reach those keys, and made himself free entrance. Each door he opened without any breach. There was no bar to stop, nor foe him to impeach. There all within full rich arrayed he found, with royal arras and resplendent gold, and did with store of everything abound, that greatest prince's presence might behold. But all the floor, too filthy to be told, with blood of guiltless babes and innocence true, which there were slain as sheep out of the fold, defiled was, that dreadful was to view, and sacred ashes over it was strowed new. And there beside of marble stone was built an altar, carved with cunning imagery, on which true Christian's blood was often spilt, and holy martyrs often done to die, with cruel malice and strong tyranny, whose blessed sprites from underneath the stone to God for vengeance cried continually, and with great grief were often heard to groan, that hardest heart would bleed to hear their piteous moan. Through every room he sought, and every bower, but nowhere could he find that woeful thrall. At last he came unto an iron door, that fast was locked, but key found not at all amongst that bunch to open it with all. But in the same a little grate was pight, through which he sent his voice, and loud did call with all his power to wit if living wight were housed there within, whom he enlargen might. Therewith and hollow, dreary, murmuring voice, these piteous plaints and dolors did resound. Oh, who is that which brings me happy choice of death, that here lie dying every stound, yet live perforce in baleful darkness bound? For now three moons have changed thrice their hue, and have been thrice hid underneath the ground since I the heaven's cheerful face did view. O oh, welcome thou that dust of death bring tidings true. Which when that champion heard, with piercing point of pity dear his heart was thrilled sore, and trembling horror ran through every joint for ruth of gentle knight so foul forlore. Which shaking off, he rent that iron door with furious force and indignation fell. Where entered in, his foot could find no floor, but all a deep descent as dark as hell, that breathed ever forth a filthy, baneful smell. But neither darkness foul, nor filthy bands, nor noyous smell his purpose could withhold, entire affection hateth nicer hands, 
but that with constant zeal and courage bold after long pains and labours manifold he found the means that prisoner up to rear whose feeble thighs unable to uphold his pined course him scarce to light could bear a rueful spectacle of death and ghastly drear his sad dull eyes deep sunk in hollow pits could not endure the unwanted sun to view his bare thin cheeks for want of better bits and empty sides deceived of their dew could make a stony heart his hap to rue his raw-bone arms whose mighty brawned bowers were wont to rive steel plates and helmets hue were clean consumed and all his vital powers decayed and all his flesh shrunk up like withered flowers whom when his lady saw to him she ran with hasty joy to see him made her glad and sad to rue his visage pale and wan who erst in flowers of freshest youth was clad though when her well of tears she wasted had she said ah dearest lord what evil star on you hath frowned and poured his influence bad that of yourself ye thus berobbed are and this misseeming hue your manly looks doth mar but welcome now my lord in weal or woe whose presence i have lacked too long a day and fie on fortune mine avowed foe whose wrathful wreaks themselves do now allay and for these wrongs shall treble penance pay of treble good good grows of evil's brief the cheerless man whom sorrow did dismay had no delight to treaten of his grief his long-endured famine needed more relief fair lady then said that victorious knight the things that grievous were to do or bear them to renew i want breeds no delight best music breeds delight in loathing ear but the only good that grows of passed fear is to be wise and wear of like again this day's example hath this lesson dear deep written in my heart with iron pen that bliss may not abide in state of mortal men henceforth sir knight take to you wanted strength and maister these mishaps with patient might lo where your foe lies stretched in monstrous length and lo that wicked woman in your sight the root of all your care and wretched plight now in your power to let her live or die to do her die quoth una were despite and shame to venge so weak an enemy but spoil her of her scarlet robe and let her fly so as she bade that which they disarrayed and robbed of royal robes and purple pall and ornaments that richly were displayed nespered they to strip her naked all then when they had despoiled her tire and call, such as she was, their eyes might her behold, that her misshaped parts did them appall, a loathly, wrinkled hag, ill-favored, old, whose secret filth good manners biddeth not be told. Her crafty head was altogether bald, and as in hate of honorable eld was overgrown with scurf and filthy scald her teeth out of her rotten gums were felled and her sour breath abominably smelled 
her dryad dugs like bladders lacking wind hung down and filthy matter from them welled her rizzled skin as rough as maple rind so scabby was that would have loathed all womankind her nether parts the shame of all her kind my chaster muse for shame doth blush to write but at her rump she growing had behind a fox's tail with dung all foully dight and eke her feet most monstrous were in sight for one of them was like an eagle's claw with griping talents armed to greedy fight the other like a bear's uneven paw more ugly shape yet never living creature saw which when the knights beheld amazed they were and wondered at so foul deformed white such then said una as she seemeth here such is the face of falsehood such the sight of foul duessa when her borrowed light is laid away and counterfeasance known thus when they had the witch disrobed quite and all her filthy feature open shone they let her go at will and wander ways unknown she flying fast from heaven's hated face and from the world that her discovered wide fled to the wasteful wilderness apace from living eyes her open shame to hide and lurked in rocks and caves long unespied but that fair crew of knights and una fair did in that castle afterwards abide to rest themselves and weary powers repair where store they found of all that dainty was and rare. End of Book One, Canto Eight. Recording by Thomas Copeland.